0: i tell you, there are some shocking things happening in the World Wrestling Federation. All of this leading up to the Survivor Series just outside of Cleveland at the Richfield Coliseum. I suspect 21, 22, 23,000 people are going to be on hand for that on Thanksgiving night. That's November the 26th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Fans all over the country, all over the world are going to have an opportunity to see this one. Four five-man teams, Mr. Fuji and the Survivor Series. Two five-member teams in the ladies' elimination. Now, all of a sudden, there are brand-new tag team champions. That should be of interest to you. Oh, yeah. Strike Force upending the hearts. And it even, I think, adds fuel to this already raging fire. Raging Inferno. Ten tag teams in a big tag team elimination. Let me tell you, the demolition will survive because I got them up 2 o'clock in the morning running around Lake Erie, and they survive, So they can survive anything if they run around Lake Erie. (laughs) All right, fans of the metropolitan Cleveland area Right now viewing this with great interest, Axe and Smash Especially in light of the fact that we have new tag team champions Well, like Master Fuji says At two o'clock in the morning He came in and hit me over the head with a cane Then we went over and woke Axe up It's not so bad running around Lake Erie But when you're in waist-deep water with lead boots on (laughs) It gets tough to survive But we did it! We did it! What about an act? You know something, Howard? We asked the master. When is it? Thanksgiving. Where is it? Richfield Coliseum. And who do we got to beat up? He said, I don't care. Take your pick. But beat somebody up, kick them out of the ring. Beat somebody else up, kick them out of the ring, and weed them out. We don't have team partners. He's my partner, I'm his partner, he's our master, and we're the survivors. Remember now, though, if one of you gets eliminated, the other automatically has to go back to the shower. There's not a chance anything like that could happen. And just like you said, the hearts lost the belts. Why are they our captains? They ain't! We're the captains with Master Fuji! All of a sudden, I say this situation is heating up, and indeed it is. is. Mr. Fuji's demolition to be part of the tag
1: team elimination and an irish whipping, big backdrop that'll take some of the starch out of demolition drop kicks and smash down and acts with one as well and another one by martel boy he's on fire just i'll tell you i can't believe that martel is handling both demolition by himself and going he's going for, he's for the, the crab. he's got him turned on. Santana comes in, and Axe is in there. Referee trying to get Dito out of there. Look at Fuji. Beautiful maneuver by Santana, and he's still holding on to the crab. Fuji now up on the apron. He's getting clobbered. hurt, Fuji's down, if the ref gets up, Martel's coming.
0: Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro
2: wrestling history. And what's it gonna do when
0: Hulkamania in the largest arms in the world run wild on you?
3: The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the excellence of execution, the Hitman.
1: WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the Heartbreak Kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers, I change the question.
0: You will rest in
1: peace. Get used to it in Ric Flair. who You're looking at the man. Ooh, the
4: Nights. What is going on there to the vetoites the PWCites, the Haminites, Israelites, the Irites, the Lowlights, the Hit Highlights, the whatever lights, whatever it is that you are aite of, we are shouting you out, Magnificent Seven, Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, the Essential Eleven. You know who you are. We love you. We love all of you, but not in that type of way. We just love you because you are. we are family. We are a bond. That's what the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast here at the PWL Networks at PowerBeam.com is all about. It's the family unity. We are from all walks of life here. You got independents. You got demos. You got repubs. You got communists. You got Buddhists. You got everybody here in the PWR sector, but anyway, that's neither here nor there, you know, we took a little break, because some people needed to take a mental break, some people needed to, you know, charge, recharge their batteries, and of course, you know, I've always obliged, because I am that kind of guy, I am the most giving man, I am the most magnanimous man, I am the most scholarly man, but most importantly, I'm the most glad man in the IWC, YWC. I'm the most glorious man in this podcast, Bundentree. I am the most glorious man on this planet Earth. It is your friend and mine, the Professor Chaberba Cruz, welcoming you to the PWR podcast, and I am not here alone. No, 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 daddy Oh, i I'm never here alone Because if I would be here alone It wouldn't be the pro wrestling podcast It would be the pro It would be the professor's perspective Or the retrospective, so I don't want to do that I need a partner in crime to hit Bounce off of, I need a different opinion I need somebody to give me Another view from a liberal spectrum And this is the man right here The conservative liberal The liberal conservative The man who came back from Miami, Florida he, he's not white right now. He is Cuban. He is definitely <laughs> Cuban right now. He is your friend and mine, the Iron Stomach One, Mr. Wonderful Tommy Wonder, a.k.a. V. Tommy Wonder. Welcome back to
3: De- Detroit Rock City. How is Florida? And you are Cuban right now. I am Puerto Rican, damn it. I've claimed it my whole life. Calavera. Puerto Man, Rican is a white what? Mexican. That's what it is. It's a white Mexican. That's what I am. But... I had a good time other than I I, I land off the plane. I got my Michigan State hoodie on. Believe it or not, people talk to me about that hoodie both on the way down and the way back because that was my only uh, source of warm clothing. So I had to wear it to come back to this shithole. And so I take it off. And you ever have a hoodie and it's got all the fuzz and shit from the inside of it? Yeah, it looks like it's snowing. So my custom-made Calavera shirt in the font of Poison is covered in lint, and I got no lint brush. I don't even know it. I'm walking to the airport, my buddy's like, dude, that shit's on your head, your neck, because you're sweating balls. (laughs) I'm wearing jeans, just sweating, waiting for Uber. Um, So I get it all off of me, and I had dreams of finding my my dream girl, Stephanie. She's a Cuban girl I met last year, who I don't know if I told the story, but on the way to Lincoln Street. Which, if you've never been to Miami, maybe you've been to Vegas and you know about uh, Fremont Street. Of course, Lincoln Street is basically the Fremont Street minus gambling in Miami. You come off A one A, you walk from A one A, which is Collins, all the way. To, you can take it all the way to the water where there's like a like a docks and stuff for the boats, and mm-hmm. uh, but around buildings, it's not. You're not. You're not getting in the ocean there. Well, it's you the ports. It. You got yeah, it's the ports where all, not, where all the boats are. It's not ports. It's like people dock their boats there, and then mm-hmm. they, they pay people to drive them to land on one of the little bitty boats. Because uh, okay. you can't have it up on land because when the hurricanes come in, your boat will not be there when you get back. So they, they, fl- they anchor them in open water so that they don't hit shit when they're bouncing around in the waves. Anyhow, gotcha. so I'm walking to there, and we were on – 26th Avenue and Lincoln would be between 16 and 17. So it's 10 blocks.
2: Mm -hmm. We
3: stop at a Walgreens and I buy a six pack of Coke because I learned early and any of you guys thinking about going to Miami you'll learn from me. Alcohol is not cheap at the bars and restaurants in Miami. So by this day I learned to buy a fifth of Appleton Estates Jamaican Rub and I had it in the room but I needed Coke to drink with it. So on our way to the Nike store, which is almost five miles there and back, I grab this six-pack of Coke. As we walk out of it, still heading towards Lincoln Street, I say to my buddy Chris, I go, Hey, asshole, why didn't you tell me to buy this on the way back so I don't have to carry it everywhere that we go? I don't know. I go, and on top of it, I'm the asshole carrying a six-pack of Coke wearing a Mountain Dew t-shirt. And I'm on <laughs> Five minutes later, my dream girl, Stephanie... Looks at me and goes, Mountain Dew. And I go, hey. And she goes, what's your candy and Coke? I go, I promise you, I just said that to this guy five minutes ago. I'm an idiot. Every day from that day on, that was day two, and I was there for five or six days. Every time I walked by that restaurant, what did I hear? Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. So I promised her I'd eat there on the last night. I ate at her restaurant last night, most expensive pizza I ever had. It was good. Her name was Stephanie, and she was the second Stephanie I met, because the girl that sold me my $200 Nikes at the Nike store was named Stephanie. She was a much taller Cuban, both hot as hell. And I thought, wow, my dream has always been to find a girl named Stephanie. And you You had two. I had two, and they're both beautiful Cubans. And I look them up on Facebook. I had no idea how common a name Stephanie was in Cuba. It's not spelled like Stephanie. It was like Steph-N-Y or A-N-Y, not Mm -hmm. P-H-I-E, whatever. But uh, nevertheless, they must have both been deported because neither one of them were there this year. I went to that Nike store twice looking for the other one. But the first one was my favorite. She was a short one.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard the wonderful chronicles of Tommy Wonder here on the the PWR podcast. And what are you going to say?
3: Send me,
4: a, send me a hot girl named Stephanie, preferably of Latin descent. Any reflection night that is named Stephanie, please <laughs> slide into the DMs of Mr. Wonderful, the Iron Stomach one, the Tommy Wonder. But anyway, neither here nor there, but let's get on with the show here. And, and TW, we are dedicating this particular episode because this was a suggested episode from our executive producer extraordinaire. Big Ray Hernandez, he, he slid into the professor's DMs and gave us the suggestion, said, prof, you know, you do all those spotlights. I love all the pics you've done, but you forgot one glaring tag team that you haven't done. And, you know, he gave us the list. I looked at it and I said, yeah, me and TW never talked about this team. We kind of like passing glance We've talked about this team here and there. We've compared this team to other teams. We've ranked this team with other teams, but we've never given a full on pro wrestling spotlight episode to this particular team. And it's just due, TW, for 2020 deuce that we do a tag team spotlight with, you know, arguably one of the best WWE tag teams of all time, hands down. You know, JB will agree with the professor. Big Ray will agree with the professor. I think you will agree with the professor. They are at least top five greatest tag teams in WWE history. Mind you, I did not say of all time because, again, we could go in the game of that uh, lineage there. I'm not talking about NWA. I'm not talking about AWA, world class. I'm just focusing on WWE. This team, at least, they might not be number one in your hearts, reflection ice. But at least the lowest they would be is number three. And I'm just being nice. I'm being I'm just being
3: fair. I'm being fair here. I think number, they're number three in WWE. In WWE history, maybe. With rockers and brain busters locked down at one and two. You got Go. number three over the Road Warriors, over the Heart Foundation, over Again. Before, any- Valentine's? Be- before
4: anything, let me at least name this team and then we could start this debate right now. It is the team of, well, the core is always will be Axe and Smash. Bill Eadie and Barry (laughs) Darceau respectively the tag team of Demolition and TW the reason I I say the lowest they could be is number 3 is you name at least one team that was better than them that's the Hart Foundation you can at least attest and, and right now the New Day can probably have superseded all other WWE tag teams with the record that they have that's why Demolition at the lowest might be number three in people's rankings right now. They are still number two in the longest reigning uh, combined of days behind the New Day
3: tag teams. Why is that? They were the first team ever to be three-time World Wrestling Federation tag team champions. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. And the first time they were faces, the second time, Were they heels? I mean, I'm sorry. The first time they were heel, second time face, third time heel. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But here's what I want to say. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, I'm sure. But just watching Demolition, okay, you obviously have Bret Hart and Neidhart. Bret went on to be a fucking huge single star. Neidhart, not so much. Toiled in other tag teams. But they were still Mm -hmm. Bret and Neidhart. Right. The Bulldogs. Davey Boy went on to become just a British Bulldog, but still – Davy Boy, British Bulldog, Dynamite, Dynamite, and he just kind of faded away because of injuries. Sean okay. and Marty, stayed Sean and Marty. Sean became arguably the greatest wrestler of all time, tied with Brett. And and Marty, you know, see champ, tag champ. Demolition. And, and, and fucking women all the time. But <laughs> Demolition. Fucked, uh Whitney Houston, I think he said. Janet, Janet. No, Mariah. Mariah, Mariah. That's why she got fat. She was depressed over it. But... Mm-hmm. Demolition, At the very least, and I know people that would argue this, Travis's old ass would probably be one of them. Bill Eadie, Barry Darso, Barry Darso was Crusher Mm Khrushchev. Bill Eadie was this mass superstar. He was also Mm -hmm. the super machine, the smallest of the machines.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
3: And Barry Darso was also the repo man and the blacktop bully and something else and something else. At the very least... This is the peak of both of those guys careers. And and Crush. Cuz Crush really didn't do shit after demolition other than uh Kona you know, Crush. Bomb. No, no, that's garbage. That's hot fucking 1993 <laughs> garbage. Okay, yeah. You mean you mean, I mean you mean chronic. You mean chronic that he Chronic yes. is maybe, but it's not Demolition. It's mm-hmm. but I'm saying it's it's okay. It's they he was he was over. Um, right. same with Adam Bomb. Brian, Brian. Clark, Brian uh Adams they were they were the the chronic but it's it's just amazing how many other personas both of these guys had and like you said it's not a very long run they're not really talked about or decorated or anything like that because of the fucking heat with vents and the concussion lawsuits and stuff like that. Wait, um, wait it, it's funny you say that. the The run is
4: short in terms of wrestling. Uh, well, you know what? I I, might, I have to I have to change that because a four year run from eighty seven to ninety one, in my humble opinion, for wrestling, that's like dog years. Yeah. That's a yeah. long ass run. Number one. Number two. While it's a four-year run, yes, and it's short in, in in the timeline, you're right. But yet they've been together, or they've been known e- even with the kayfabe commentaries or the right. the, the Russell Con for it's thirty-five still their, their years. It's still Thirty-five years year. to the to this month that the team of demolition, the creation of the demolition, is being celebrated. So this is actually this is a very special spotlight. We're celebrating the
3: thirty-fifth anniversary of demolition. TW, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What, what was No. You no, I I I I absolutely agree and 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 what I was going to say whereas I'm not as high on them as you and, and and Ray and and JB. I've come around on them from how low I was on them because there were there are people who would argue I think we've talked about this on the show powers of pain were yeah, that was Vince signing someone cuz he couldn't get the Road Warriors. But they Mm -hmm. formed in NWA and feuded with the Road Warriors. So, really, they signed an existing team. It wasn't the Road Warriors. And, yeah, they were probably hoping people in New York who don't watch WCW or NWA were confused and thought it was them because it was so blatant. But they Mm -hmm. had already formed in NWA. Demolition was put together by Vince or whoever's idea it was. Because he got sick of waiting for his own LOD and created his own LOD. Right. I mean, doom, demolition. There's, there's no it's, – it's, it's blatant. But I would say, much like um, the Rockers were clear-cut ripoffs of the Rock and Roll Express, I personally believe, and I always have, and it's almost unfair to the Rock and Roll Express because they didn't have to get better because they were so over. I think the Rockers are a better version than the Rock and Roll Express. I think they have better builds. They're prettier boys, if you want to call them pretty boys. But they mm-hmm. did more shit. They did top rope fist. They did. They just were better. They were better athletes, if mm-hmm. lack of a better term. And they stuck together and they did it in sent CWA. They did it in AWA. They did it in WWF. Not very long in WWF because they're dummies, but you know, alcohol and drugs will fuck some good things up. But demolition, I think today, especially because they got to work with the LOD, I don't think people view them as the copycat that they actually originally were. I mm-hmm. think they they they, they proved, that out the They walk.
4: proved the doubters wrong that they, right. as much as the inception.
3: It have been Kane and, and, I mean, not Kane, but. That's why Kane popped in my head. They could have been Diesel and Razor Ramon mm-hmm. if if they were formed to replace the Road Warriors leaving. Right, but because they were there first, now you set up the dream match of the Road Warriors versus yeah. Demolition, yeah. and you that's know, actually uh, why Demolition went back to being heel so they could have that match right. and it wasn't all well, face. Well,
4: we will talk about that later, but we are you are right. The, you know, Demolition was created by Vince and probably Pat Patterson. All that stuff. Because they couldn't get Road wars to, to sign from NWA to WWF, number one. But the the funny thing is, well, first and foremost, the creation of the of the Demolition Reflectionites happened in January of nineteen eighty seven. But TW, the original Demolition was not Bill Eadie and Barry Darsa. The original Demolition was Bill Eadie and a guy from the Moon Dogs, right? Rex Moondog, a.k.a. Randy Colley. They were the original demolition. And they were managed not by Master Fuji, Reflectionites. They were managed by luscious Johnny Valiant, T.W. So let's talk about, from that inception. T.W., the way they looked. And we have to talk about, let's talk about the look. Because that, the look itself is, right, it's Mad Max with the helmet, that is coincides with uh, jason voorhees we could say that with friday the 13th elements but you're right it's mad max the look itself wrestling wise has nothing to do with uh road warriors road look warriors. they not they didn't wear shoulder pads with spikes they didn't wear you know singlets or whatever they wore in the wrestling terms reflection ice if you remember this name and i've said this once or twice in on a previous episode of tw lord humongous which was worn by Sid Vicious famously. But if you remember that look of Lord Humongous, and you remember the look of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, is it Beyond Thunderdome or the first one? Well, which it's the
3: second one. It's, okay. it's the,
4: per- the first one's
3: called Road Warrior, the second one's right. called Mad Max. Okay, but you
4: know, that look in the Mad Max movies inspired Vince to create his own demolition or his own Road Warriors, but then they named it Demolition. Now, T.W., in that look, per se, number one, that has nothing to do with the Road War. so they're not carbon copies.
3: It's still, it's still leather and, and spikes, but yeah, it's it's toned down dramatically. And they're too right. big brawler. No, you, but the reason not, I right but the, so. right,
4: but the reason I say that is because Road is in a different scale. No matter what you, I know you. We always use this argument, especially in the '80s, the mid '80s. Not everybody had cable television. Not everybody saw TBS in uh, World Championship Wrestling, where you can see the Road or
3: Warriors.
4: AWA. Or AWA. So you could say, I don't know who the Road Warriors are. So you can still create a, a character like the Road Warriors for your own territory, number one. Number two, for the look of Lord Humongous, that is definitely, I don't care what anybody says, you had to be a hardcore fan reading the after mags to know who Lord Humongous was. So Absolutely. Basically, so basically, you're just saying... So basically, for the WWF watcher on TV, they say, oh, you created a Mad Max character. You created the Mad Max wrestler for your own viewing pleasure. What say you, T.W.,
3: about that That sentiment? It's ironic that neither one of us has said this yet, but the Road Warriors are based off Mad Max, too. It's not like mm-hmm. it, every, every ounce of it is Mad Max, and, mm-hmm. which I believe was cult classic. Beyond Thunderdome was when it was blowing up. But right. the first Road Warrior and Mad Max were not huge. Mad Max maybe, but Road Warrior just kind of came out of nowhere like Star Wars cult kind of deal, but but it, they're they're different enough that they could still bring in the powers of pain to try to hoodwink people who were familiar with the Road Warriors from the magazines. Mm-hmm. Um but but like I said nothing that's it. The similarities end there. They do not wrestle the same. They do not um, talk the same. They, they were their own thing. And I, in 1987, was fully aware of who the Road Warrior was, because I have watched them on AWA, and mm-hmm, I did see them on AWA at, at Family Functions. So when I saw Demolition, like I said, they were different enough that I wasn't like, who are these fake Road Warriors? Whereas... Had I not known who the Powers of Pain was from watching them in WCW, you know, not the, the World anyway, Championship Wrestling. not I know what you're talking about. But the show WCW, it was called World Championship Wrestling of on course. Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, like we call Raw Raw. So it, if I didn't know who they were, I absolutely, if the first time I saw the Powers of Pain was in the WWF, I would have 1,000% say, who the fuck are these guys trying to be the road warriors? There's no absolutely. doubt. Absolutely in my mind, whereas I never thought that about demolition. So even though we all know in hindsight, the smart people, the smarks, if you will, all new in 87, this was just like, well, fuck it. If you can't beat them, join them. Let's make our own. And, and Mm -hmm. they made their own. And like you said, arguably, I, I, I like, like, I don't, I will not even compare them to Kofi. I, I say Kofi, Edge and Christian Dudley's, uh, Hardy's, Those are all attitude era and on is different to me than and whenever they change it to WWE from WWF, it's Mm -hmm. two different things. It's it's much the same as
4: oh I I know what you're saying. Demolition's from Rock and Wrestling era, and then you're comparing the Attitude era. So there's two different eras. Not only
3: that, but I'm talking. I I mean, the fact that a they were world they were WWF tag team champions. These guys were WWE tag team champions, and obviously somewhere in there, someone's both. I think Edge and mm-hmm. Christian were WWF champions and then WWE champions, but what I'm saying totally. is, it's more impressive that demolition were three time tag team champions than it is that the New Day is 17 time tag team champions <laughs> because the belts did not it's, change hands. It's a different in, era, in yeah. era than these do now, where you could literally win them on Sunday on a pay per view and then drop them the next night on Raw. And yeah, it I get you. Way more than it doesn't.
4: Different oh. era. Different storyline, different philosophies. You're different right, T.W.
3: titles, yeah.
4: Absolutely. So let me get back to the Randy Colley and Bill Eadie uh, era, if you will. It only lasted for about three weeks, and the problem that it didn't last for three weeks, T.W., is what you said. Randy Colley was so recognizable as Moondog Rex that Vince McMahon had to put the kibosh on Demolition. So, you know, the funny thing is Demolition might not have been one of the greatest tag teams in WWF or E-history, if, uh, guess what, something was going on in the Carolinas. And that was Barry Darso, who was playing Crusher reflection nights, and he had a contract dispute with Jim Crockett Productions. He felt he was getting undercut. He was getting underpaid in, in comparison to Ivan Koloff, in comparison to Nikita Koloff. And, of course, Barry Darso was a victim of the four horsemen, because they got paid, you know, top dollar T.W. So, you know, if Barry Darso feels cheated with his payoffs, of course you're going to seek uh, greener pastures, whether it's the A.W.A. at that time, or he got lucky, he called uh, Vince McMahon, or B- Bill E. saw, you know, WCW television and said, you know what, let's use him. And the funny thing, T.W. is the recognizable uh, aspect is this is where you get lucky. Cable is not a premium. Again, you got to be a hardcore fan reading the magazines. But Crusher Khrushchev, he looked like a Mongolian because of his hair. He was, he was almost bald and had a little hair there. By the time he got to WWF-TW in February 1987, he started letting his hair grow out, you know, so he, you know, he didn't shave, so to speak. There was one identifiable mark on Barry Darso that he had to cover up. The tattoo. A tattoo. He had a tattoo on his, on his right arm that was very noticeable in his matches as Crusher Khrushchev. So, the funniest thing with his look, T.W., is he wore an elbow pad, but it wasn't an elbow pad. He took his elbow pad and actually covered the tattoo because back then, you know, I guess it was too expensive to get remove tattoos, T.W. So, you know... It was a very lucky thing that, you know, he had contracts disputes, T.W. So what say you about, you know, we didn't see, I didn't see enough of a demolition with Rex Moondog. I I, I kind of went on YouTube and saw them together. I mean, could you compare the Randy Colley demolition with the Barry Darso demolition, T.W., or did you
3: try to do that? I I never saw him, and I think I've seen maybe one match or footage, and I I... I, I like the Moondogs, man. They were the Mulkeys of the WWF. They were the guys who you thought were going to beat your favorites, but they were job guys. And you just didn't realize it, right? And so um, I, I feel bad for that guy. He's the Pete Best of Demolition, where, if you don't know, Pete Best, I believe, is the drummer before Ringo and the Beatles, and he quit or got canned, and Ringo came in, and then they blew up to be the biggest band in the history of bands. Um mm-hmm. And this dude's like, what the fuck? Because he quit already. Uh, there's a guitar player from Poison that dude tapped out, and CeCe DeVille took his job, and then they went to the moon. Um, and then Def Leppard had a guitar player who quit, and the guy that died, Steve Clark, took his play. Actually, it might even be Phil Collin, but how uh, that guy never did anything else ever again, right? You know what I mean? Like, well, he, he went back even, to he went back to the Moon Dog uh, formula. Right, it I worked mean, for him. <laughs> you could have basically given him whatever job you were going to give Barry Darso and, and had him be that, you know, right. mask on him and call him the repo man. Like, think about it. How, how does the, how did the fans well, I, shit up over him? Huh? Hold Hold
4: on. I can answer at least one part of that. He did the Rex Moondog thing again, because that still was a successful thing that made him, you know, still stayed in the business, but he did on the independent circuit, uh, wrestle under the banner Detroit Demolition. So I just wanted to give that fun fact out there.
3: So go ahead TW. Um but what I'm saying is how ironic is it that this dude gets healed on wearing paint in his gear. He's not wearing cut-off jeans and barefoot. He's got a different look, but they're still cuz he had that damn poofy uh, gym blossom nose like he drank a lot, right? But he just he had his face stood out. Um But maybe you shave his head and paint his face, which always looks stupid. Um, Because whenever Mm -hmm. I see those K-Fabe commentaries with Barry Darso painting his face and he's got no hair, it looks dumb. looks like he put on some kind of, uh, like, a fucking do-rag before he painted it so it's a straight line. But anyways, Mm -hmm. how do they heal on this guy? And yet the Repo Man, no one's yelling, smash, that's smash, or Khrushchev, You Khrushchev. Know? I'm, so, sure, I'm
4: sure they did in the 90s when the Repo Man and the Blacktop Bully gimmick started coming off. And, you know, those trolling fans, you know, that's the best way to heckle Barry Darso, to be foul. To be foul, yeah. But, T.W., let, let's talk about, again, with the look. As much as everything we, we say that, you know, for the, the smart smart fans – these were rip-offs of the Road Wars. And I want to at least acknowledge one thing about the demolition look. And you actually pointed it out a little bit, but let's just hammer down on it. Road Warrior Hawk and Road Warrior Animal had distinctive face paints. Road Warrior Animal had the spider in the center, and kind of like, you know, he kept it from his eyes to his nose and didn't cover everything. Um, Road Warrior Hawk, his... Was the, was the funny, like the, like the, the ninja star on one side and the Indian sign on, on the other side here. So he had very, they were very identifiable and that identifiable, dis- distinctive te- um, face paints TW. So you mm-hmm. can agree with that.: Yes, demolition and this is the only thing I will ever nitpick about their careers of Barry Darso and Bill Eadie. They had the worst paint jobs. I've ever seen because they just literally look like they just put their face in a paint can, dip their heads in for a
3: couple of minutes, and just see what was coming out. I disagree. I think Axe looked that way, especially if he just did black and red. Like he just called Dude, it. Day. Wait,
4: hold on. No, no. He covered, they covered their whole face. I think I would say Smash put
3: effort into his paints. That's what I mean. Axe didn't. I'm saying Smash. Did I say, I said that hey, wrong? You, you Axe said Axe. Would just, yeah, Axe. Didn't do a good job. He only did black and red. It looked like he just fucking rubbed it on his face right. and looked like motherfucking uh, Eddie Murphy when he was being buckwheat on a damn TV show. Just it just was <laughs> lazy. Yeah. But at Smash his shit almost looked like the fractured mirror on Eddie Van Halen's guitar. He had red, yellow, white, black. It was. I thought his took all day to do. Um, and he was pretty consistent with his. Whereas mm-hmm. Axe. One day it was Argyle pattern. He'd have, like, red, silver, black. And then the mm-hmm. next day, it literally, like, he just rubbed black on the top and rubbed white on the bottom or red and just called it a day and slicked his hair back. He's the one I was always suspicious of, of just there for the check, not there for the gimmick, where Smash always came off. That's why I was disagreeing with you because I don't think both of them. No, you you said
4: Axe. That's why I said I said Smash. No, put I, was, the
3: I was agreeing that Axe did that before mm-hmm. i was about to say smash okay he looked like he took some time with a paintbrush on his it like go look at the eddie van halen guitar i mean it's more all over the place whereas it basically smash t- looked like he had he at least tried to be consistent x one minute it's the aids blanket the next minute it's the uh, autism puzzle it's like it's just shit all over like they just mushed it up together with no effort or care or pride mm-hmm. whereas and then hawk had two. Hawk had, the like you said, the Chinese star and then the red triangle, which, by the way, you'd have to be an idiot to not know that's Paul Stanley. It's mm-hmm. just he did a round star instead of the actual star that Paul Stanley did. And then right. the red was for Paul Stanley's lipstick, but he didn't wear lipstick. Then he did the other one, which was a full mask that almost looked like the Ultimate Warriors, but he painted it around his mustache because remember he had the mustache. And, the, mm-hmm. uh, so, and it, it was more like... Um, but they had marquee uh, face paint right. that you he always – made it the same need. every time. Right. He made it the same every time, but he had those two different versions. And there was animal, – Axe never did He did Spider-Man once where that mm-hmm. spider was, and he did Batman a couple times where he had the bat in the middle instead of right. the spider, but always the same pattern. Yeah. I just wanted to point out that Axe, I hate – I still
4: hate his paint job. Smash, I can actually Garbage. get – I could always give a little bit of the, uh, you know, I give a pass because it was still, he, he was consistent every time he wrestled. But it was still, to me, they, they painted their whole face. So I always that was my only nitpicking of Demolition. But neither here nor there, TW. I just wanted to point that out. Again, with the look, being, being managed by Luscious Johnny V, TW, when you're managed by Luscious Johnny V, technically it's not the marquee manager. Because at the WWF at the time, the marquee managers A is always Bobby the Brain Heenan in '87, B is Jimmy Hart, C is Mr. Fuji. By the time you get past those three, then you're then you're in trouble. So, luckily enough, in March of 1987, Reflectionites they put they booked an angle where Luscious Johnny V sold the contracts of Demolition to Master Fuji, and TW, let's talk about that. I looked at Johnny V, and, you know, he had the dream team. So, technically, he's the manager of champions, because he, not too long ago, he had Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine as the dream team, as tag team champions. So, hindsight's 2020 TW and 2020 Deuce, that being uh, put together, you know, Demolition being put together with Johnny Valiant, you would think that they would be on the precipice of tag team goal or at least being number one contenders to challenging the British Bulldogs or whatever the case may be. But again, Johnny V in 1987 just wasn't that dude in, in my humble opinion. So when right. they mer- went to Master Fuji, TW, let's talk about that synergy of Axe, Smash, and Master-, and Master Fuji being a former tag team champion himself with Mr. Saido, He has a pedigree for... With the tag team championship pedigree, if you will, and yep. two, Master Fuji went full board with Demolition by doing something that you know he joined the guys, painting his face as little as it was. It symbol it was symbolic. I'm with you guys. Right. You ride with me. I ride with you. We're gonna make some money. What's the etw about that synergy between Master Fuji it, and it Demolition?
3: Gave- I would say it gave new life to Fuji. Like mm-hmm. I think even Absolutely. when they were with Johnny V, I think Demolition was an instant success. And and Johnny V being there, maybe somebody – because Johnny V at that point, I mean, first of all, Axe and Smash can both talk. And when they did, he did Johnny V didn't mesh, right? Johnny V mm-hmm. sounded like an asshole that would hang out with Valentine and Beefcake. He didn't sound like a guy that would hang out with these two. And then when demolition talked and Fuji just would say some shit like Confucius at the end and be like ha 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 and he'd be done and it worked perfect and mm-hmm. and it, the, you know I don't know what the tie to Japan maybe their outfits make them look like the Japanime villains or whatever but it just worked and he he worked with them like he wore black like they wore and Johnny V's wearing fucking peacocking clothes so it just it was never a good fit with Johnny V and I don't think he did anything else after that wasn't he done. Once he yeah, sold, he, the, he, he was done with was done. the WWF.
4: Yeah, he was yeah. done with the WWF in, in late '87. You know, he kind of, he managed the New Dream Team, and then he just kind of you know the contract expired, and then he who left. was the
3: New Dream Team? Bravo and Valentine.
4: Yeah, Bravo and Valentine. So for that, but I, I think it was again, it was the perfect meshing of Fuji, Axe, and Smash. So TW in '87, the first, let's say marquee feud that was on superstars of wrestling and wrestling challenge was demolition against ken patera and billy jack haynes and i love that one because it started off with you know when you do superstars of wrestling they build a storyline that they beat the snot out of a jobber named brady boone he has no affiliation with billy jack haynes they are not blood related there's no, there's no 20, 23 and me. there's no Ancestry.com that shows proof that Brady Boone and Billy Jack Haynes are related. But in wrestling lore, Brady Boone was the first cousin of Billy Jack Haynes, and, of course, that was a way to introduce the world, T.W., to demolition because Billy Jack Haynes and Ken Patera are very well-known babyfaces, T.W., so I didn't, I didn't give you a match to see about that. I just wanted to show how they were, you know, implanted on Saturday morning television, TW, the first let's say uh, showcase of Demolition's power, strength, aggressiveness, and being taken as badasses, you know, monster heel badasses, TW was November of 1987. The first Survivor Series where the world, the pay-per-view audience, was introduced to Demolition as you know, in that 20-man you know survival match, you know, again. When tag, best teams, ever. when tag teams were premium, you had Demolition, Hard Foundation, you had Force on the other side, British Bulldogs on the other side, you had the Killer Bees on one side, you had the Dream Team, TWO oh, It was a glorious year for that. Kishidors. Well, we're not going to talk about the Bolsheviks. Yes, oh. Bolsheviks. I'm talking about '87. This is where they were introduced to the world because in that match they beat the snot out of the Hard Foundation. I'm not uh the British Bulldogs, the Killer Bees and even strike force as the WWF Tag Team Champions, they got disqualified. So they didn't, nobody on the good of the babyfaces in the Survivor Series Tag Team match pinned them. It took themselves being so aggressive, T.W., I think that was the best way to introduce the masses to demolition. What say you, T.W., about that assessment? I didn't even know that's how they debuted. I'm sure I did back No, no, then. it's not how they debuted. It, to me, it's how they were showcased. And right, right. they were taken seriously by the wrestling world. What's the,
3: yeah, it's, it's, it's a dusty finish. It's a way to, to let, um, I would assume the baby faces went over. I don't remember. Um, but it's a way for them to, to lose without losing. And right. just like over the years, survivor series would have guys like the warrior and Rick rude would get double disqualified or get counted out fighting to the back and they're both eliminated. So they you you protect both of them and carry the feud. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's there's points to it, uh, you know, like modern day. Mm-hmm. Ray had a problem with how Bobby Lashley beat Brock Lesnar. It's the absolute perfect way for Bobby. Bobby's the heel. Roman's the bigger heel. You protect Brock. You put the belt back on the raw guy, and you set up Roman versus Brock that we didn't get because of COVID, and you do it on SmackDown, and Heyman and Roman have all the heat, and Bobby now has the belt. And whatever babyface faces him can say, you cheated to get that belt back. It's perfect. They, couldn't have not, they could not have done it better. And the best part is if Brock would have won, people would have complained about that too. This guy put another guy over. And back then, you don't want Demolition getting beat. You don't want them killing all the babyfaces either because then who are they going to fight? So by having them do what they did, it made them scary. Now, every time when you're – your favorite tag team, be it Strikeforce, Killer Bees, or Bulldogs, are going to, re- and I think the Rockers and, and the Young Stallions were the other two, right? Nineteen eighty-seven that, was
4: the Young Stallions. I forgot the other one. Oh, right. the Rougeos, the Rujio brothers.
3: Right. So whenever your favorite team gets in there with the demolition, you're like, damn, they handled three at once. How are they going to? These guys are going to get killed. But, but you don't know because they didn't beat anybody because they got disqualified. Mm-hmm. It was, right. it was perfect. It was yeah.
4: perfect. It was so perfect that because of 1987 Survivor Series performance, like I said, they were they were eliminated because of their own doing, because they beat up everybody and they beat up the referee. So that was perfect booking by Vince McMahon. You know, sometimes Vince McMahon does get it right in bookings of uh, reflection. Act, but I don't want to go near here to there because I don't want to go on a diatribe there. But. Because of that, TW, and because of Saturday and Sunday, where they can dominate against the jobbers, and we have to talk about their finishing maneuver, TW. You know, they won where smash puts you in a backbreaker position, axe comes off the second rope and hits the elbow onto your chest, onto your chest or to the throat. What say you about that finishing? I, what was it called? I don't remember what it was called. So we just call it the demolition move. Let's just say it's it. called the device doomsday. Okay, um, device doomsday. Okay, <laughs> whatever. I'll, I'll take your word that, for it.
3: Say that backwards.
4: Device doomsday.
3: Say it backwards.
4: Doomsday device. I know that's LOD shit. So come on. It, it, I, I oh,
3: don't even know what they called. It. It's funny you say that. Uh, but I'm just explaining the little, little maneuver. Here's a little FYI. I mm-hmm. took that move from Manny Fernandez and Bo James, where Manny Fernandez held me over his knee, and I thought they were going to kill me. And I wrestled Axe and Nitro, which was another demolition guy in the indies, and mm-hmm. I didn't take that move from them. I took it from from Manny Fernandez, but not from Axe. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so you, you felt that move. So what yeah, say you about that move light, itself? Light as a feather, I would choose that move over the Doomsday Device, Seven out of seven days of the week. The doomsday device, when done right, which is when Road Warrior Hawk doesn't knock you out with his clothesline and Mm -hmm. you can take your own bump, you're fine. Animal doesn't flip you over. Animal throws the legs up, and so dudes are just landing on their fucking necks and heads. I I can't believe more guys did did die taking that move. And Mm. I actually wrestled Bobo Brazil Jr., who's not Bobo Brazil, and he's just like Brady Boone, not blood-related to Bobo. Mm-hmm. He was actually Calypso Jim on uh, big-time wrestling over in Canada and Quebec. I wrestled him and Andy Fish, and we had heat, and they wanted me to take that doomsday device. And I'm like, absolutely not. And the funny thing is, I remember them picking me up for it, but I don't remember if I took it or if Rico saved me and then Rico took it. I can't remember because I was like, absolutely not taking that move because... Mm-hmm. We had heat. Like, they could hurt me on purpose, and there's nothing I can do about it. But if you – I think I did take the bump, and I think Calypso Jim took care of me. He bumped with me. And you know what that move is called? What? Like, for, if Hawk doesn't do the clothesline, mm-hmm. an animal has you up on his shoulders like that and just takes a back bump, it's called the electric chair. We used to do it all He the time. did that, too. He, he did yeah. that, too. So when he bumps with you – you're taking care of because he's he's holding your legs so you can just take a back bump with him. When he did this shit, oh, it's over. Say a prayer. Right. Say a prayer. If you land right, that's God's will. That's because, dude. It, it and the only guys worse were the nasty boys. And I don't even remember what their finishing move was because they were just assholes who hurt people like the, the, all the time. The stink arm, but but T. The let's go. Finish.
4: But T.W. Let Let's go back to this maneuver with the demolition. Technically, you said light is a feather, but visually, did it look devastating to you in your humble opinion?
3: It looked it looked brutal, absolutely. Okay. And, and the reason I know it's not is because I thought Manny Fernandez and Bo James, I thought were about to break me in half because we had heat. So I thought, and I mean, he's holding me up by basketball shorts and a basketball shirt because I'm sandbagging him because I'm so mad and i'm Mm -hmm. like i'm not i'm not making this easy for you and i I mean he he like if you can see me but obviously wider he's got me he's struggling to hold me on his knee and then bo james is fucking fatter and comes off that second elbow and i just prayed i literally prayed i'm like god please let me survive this because i thought for sure they were killing me and for whatever reason they didn't and it, it was it was the finish he pinned me uh but it, it, I so, just remember landing, landing. Going, T. W., wow. let, let,
4: me, let me ask you this question. While you was praying to God with the way he was, my name for names was positioning you, your fear was if he held you tight on, on his knees and right. the elbow came, were you afraid of your back, you know, like a spine? Breaking my
3: back, yeah.
4: Okay, right. I just want to.
3: So technically well, my while lower the lower back was like, because my ass was on one side of his mm-hmm. knee, my mm-hmm. chest was on the other side of his knee. So my lower, the smaller your back was right on his knee. So if he lands on me on the knee, mm-hmm. not up, and man, he doesn't flip me over. It, it's dude, I'm done. There's it's lower back snapped. You know. So te- and- so technically, the move visually
4: doesn't could look devastating. Absolutely, but it's not really devastating unless someone has heat with you stifts and they stiff you. It stiffs yeah. the hell out of you. Okay, so like, yeah. we get that sentiment. To me, as a kid, it didn't look that
3: devastating in comparison to the Doomsday device with LOD. But there's reason why. It's a very simple reason why. Why? Right. First of all, you're already uh, hovering above the ground. And second of all, he's jumping off the second rope. Animal is standing up and you're touching the rafters when mm-hmm. on clothesline. Right. You, and you... At, to this day, there's not a finishing maneuver that looks more brutal than the Doomsday device. Of course there's, there's not, not. There might be one well, that someone did once. That 3D, is, is, 3D is still a I devastating still I broke my hand thing. doing a 3D. Broke my damn Man, hand. Because the, the guy the I did it to, his knee landed on my hand in the air. And as mm-hmm. we went down, it bleh, broke my hand. right? As soon as gotcha. end, his knee was on my fucking hand. Hurt me all for months. Wow. But, but well, it's not near. Dude, no. The 3D. 3D is a no, piece of no. cake. It's a piece of cake bump to take. That doomsday device, it's, it's out of your hands. If right. the guy doing it wants to hurt you, you're getting hurt. Right. but there, The only it... move that's worse is the kill, kill shot, engage, whatever Christian does. Okay. But there was a guy like Hooventud or somebody did it on Nitro with your legs on his fucking shoulders. you're mm-hmm. okay. Almost like he was pile driving you, but you're behind him instead mm-hmm. of in front. Gotcha. You know, what t- you know move a yeah. camo? Homicide did that, too. I remember Homicide they, did it. Yeah. Homicide did it. Mm-hmm. And these two dudes in Detroit wanted to do it to me. And I go, where's my head? <sighs> right by my ass. And I'm like, and where's your head? He goes, right here. I go, facing that way. He goes, yeah. I go, no, I'm not taking that move. <laughs> He's like, why not? I go, because I've already broken my neck once. I'm not doing it again. And the motherfucker tried doing it to me anyway. I go, get, get the fuck up. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then they try to get Rico to take it. Neither one of us would take it. I'm like, you're going to kill somebody with that.
4: But we'll we'll do a spotlight on dangerous moves. But
3: let's we I just wanted to
4: put, put that move out there that what demolition did visually to me did not look as devastating. But thanks to TW and his wrestling experience, you see Reflection Ice, how dangerous that simplistic move that Axe and Smash did can actually break your fucking back. But anyway, TW. While they're building up their wins and they're, build, you know, they're building up the wins on Wrestling Challenge and Superstars of Wrestling, of course, Ms. McMahon sees that the crowd is, is behind Demolition. They are, their look, their aura is scary as hell. And, of course, they get their chance at WrestleMania Four in Atlantic City, New Jersey, Trump Plaza, to become tag team champions. And that's the first match I wanted to highlight for you as they face Tito Santana and Rick Martel, force. TW, we can look at this match in terms of babyface and heel. And the one thing where, you know, the funny thing is I always said, at least in the 80s, and, and this was the problem with teams like Demolition and Road Warriors when they're heels. Is it believable that these, you know, white beat baby faces or tiger beat you know team stud baby faces <laughs> like strike force like rock and roll express and teams like that could they actually beat up the road warriors can they actually can it be believable that you could beat up the road warriors or demolition as heels this was a short match this did not last more than like 10 minutes and demolition won with a little chicanery thanks to master fuji's cane but tw what say you about that psychology how to make it believable for Babyface to even get their comeuppance against a devastating, bruising tag team, but technically sound like demolition.
3: This is where we're going to disagree. Okay. This is the first, I think the first match we watched. Yes. And every match after it, they wrestled the exact same way, but it's a good thing because, like I said, Animals throwing drop kicks, Road Warriors throwing power slams and all that. Every match that you had me watch, and I even watched another one with the Rockers, every match started out the same way. They just beat the shit out of somebody until they were on the ground doing the Steve mm-hmm. Austin stomp in the corner in the middle of the ring. That's how everyone started. And then they would let guys uh, get, some, get some heat on them or whatever, but not much. Um, specifically the match you had me watch last, of all people, my man my – man, One of my heroes fought for his shit, and he was like, fuck you, and started throwing shoot punches on him. We'll talk about that later. But this particular match, the one thing I noticed immediately is the crowd cheered them beating the shit out of Rick Martel. (laughs) Cheered them. Yeah, that's what I I said. I'm like, is that Rick or Tito in there? And funny thing is, the fuzzier the TV, the footage, I couldn't tell them apart, which makes it, in hindsight, a perfect babyface tag team. It's like Powers and Roma. Had the same body, but one had long hair, and one had short hair. You always knew which guy was in there, right? Sean mm-hmm. and Marty, different color hair. Tito and Martel, even though Martel's a little bit shorter, when they both had that big ass '80s hair, I, I literally was like, I think it's Martel, but I can't tell. The metal, the metal band hair. <laughs> at the yeah, at at the at the end, when Martel goes for the Boston crab, they pop for that. Like they're cheering because he's got the Boston crab, which leads to the finish. Which I watched a shoot interview after this where I thought that cane broke. First of all, Smash thought it was Martel or no, it was Martel that got hit with the cane. Yeah. Yeah. He thought it was Tito, I think, that got hit with the cane. Well, maybe he did say Martel in hindsight. But anyway, he was trying to break the cane and the cane didn't break and he said that Fuji, he still thinks to this day Fuji did a rib by soaking it in water the night before to make mm. it feel Harder. like it was softer, oh. but it was still green. He goes, some of them older canes, you did a guy, they'd snap easy. And he said, I think I could have wrapped that thing completely around them and it still wouldn't have broke because it was green wood. But he put it in the water to make it look older so that they'd be like, all right, you can hit me with that. And he absolutely – he said in the shoot interview, he goes – I think he was halfway out cold when I hit him with that because I he didn't know it wasn't going to. He got concussed. He got right. concussed, and mm-hmm. he was gone not long after that. He was out for like eight months. Rick Martel.
4: Well, that that and also he he had some family issues, so that that was great way of storyline, right? You know, get him out there. So I just wanted to point out that you know, TW before we talk about other matches and, and you know glorifying the tag team championship career of demolition because now we're getting into the the meat and the crust of our spotlight again tw you know we could talk about road wars and we could talk about demolition but you know like you said axe and smash they do the they do the jackhammer move they do the, the the double axe handles onto the back and all that stuff that's their trademark you know that right. that's their trademark wrestling maneuver so that, that shows how powerful, the, how devastating it is. But again, let me ask you this. In hindsight, maybe let's do the 2020 deuce eyes. Is it believable for a team like Strike Force?
3: Can you actually believe that they can All beat Demolition? Right. You did ask that. And yes, my answer is that. I, was, I just, Tito, I fucking love Tito. He's my friend on my Calavera Facebook. But Tito. The more I see him, especially as Strikeforce, especially you know in the end, the more his claims of never taking steroids, the less I believe him. He was a big, <laughs> he was a big dude, and and it's funny because one of the matches I watched that you didn't have me watch that you probably didn't watch yourself, and I and it came on because I'd be falling asleep, and then the next match would start. Um, mm-hmm. I think it came on after the Powers of Pain match, which which was my least favorite of all of them. Um, was the Rockers. And the Rockers, I I wouldn't say were half the size of Tito and Martel. I bet you a lot of people probably think they were the same size. Tito, they six, was, they was smaller. Sick, yeah. Tito six 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 five somewhere in there. Tito, I, I watched this match and it crossed my mind because every time I've heard it was either going to be Brett in Canada or Tito in Mexico. Whenever you hear that story, I looked and I thought Tito would have worked. I never thought Tito would have worked until I watched that match with Tito and Martell versus Demolition because Tito held his own. He was bigger than both of them as far as height, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he threw punches. And and the other thing, I'm watching this match, and they're going toe-to-toe throwing punches, and I'm like, today's wrestling ain't got shit on this. Like, it looks real. Mm-hmm. Today's wrestling looks like they're all waiting. All right, you ready for this next back spot? At, all right, let's do this spot. And back in the back. '80s, back in the '80s, they stiff you. Those
4: those punches are stiff. So you, you they can give take them.
3: They give yeah. and take. They they and and these guys look literally. First of all, they're larger than light, all four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and second of all, they are laying into each other, and it looks real. Who cares if they're stomping their foot? Who cares? It looks real, and, and, and it's fun. I didn't know you were going to ask me this question, and you think I would because I had such an answer that I would have answered it in the first place. I don't know why I went the other way with your answer, but <laughs> at the end of the day, yes, yes, and, and that's what I think is good about it because another match that you had me watch, I know it's out of order, but was the Bulldogs, in my head, the Bulldogs would have got their ass kicked by Demolition because they're way smaller. They aren't. When you mm-hmm. watch it back, they're not. It's not like in, in my head, in my memory, it's Ray Mysterio versus Scott Hall. But in reality, it's Brett versus Shawn. Brett's a little bit bigger than Shawn. I give you that. Shawn still can hold his own. It's and and when we were watching stuff with Brett recently, and I'm like, I think the Royal Rumble, Brett was either in it or wrestled somebody. No, because we did a more recent Royal Rumble. I, I um, think, wait,
4: let me let me just say this because you just said something that I agree with and. In the presentation of the 80s, tag team wrestling was at a premium at its Phoenix. Yeah. So yes. every team was, la- even the young stallions of Jim Powers and Paul Roma was somehow larger than life enough. Yeah. But they took yeah. an ass whipping from demolition. But at right. least there was some semblance of believability that they can upset them.
3: Not destroy them, but upset them. The smallest them. of all those guys are probably the killer bees. And even they aren't that small. They're just yeah, that, that, that is smaller, true. you know? Yeah. And, to answer your question, not one match that you have me watch or that Rocker's one that I feel like the other guy didn't have a chance, and that's what made it good, mm-hmm. is because it wasn't just a squash, it wasn't just an ass whooping, and 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 my probably favorite match is the last one that we'll talk about because Demolition for once was selling. They didn't really sell too much in these other matches. They they bumped. Well, you know what, T.W.? Let's hold on and let's now, since they beat
4: Strikeforce and became the tag team champions after WrestleMania 4, of course, what do you do in 1988, Reflection Ice? You do the house shows. So, of course, Madison Square Garden, Strikeforce gets their rematch and, of course, comes up short. And sometimes Demolition would win the match by chicanery and cheating, and sometimes they would lose the match. But they would not lose the titles. They would lose by countouts, disqualifications, and draws. TW, those are some great you know, results right there. But we can't, well, we can't celebrate them. We can't use them because we got so many smart marks out there saying demolition <laughs> would look weak as fuck if they can never beat a team hands down legitimately. I don't know why. This, this has skewed a lot of smart marks out there. But anyway, neither here nor there. But the second match during this first run of the tag team titles TW and I will I told you this in a DM and I will tell this to the reflection nights out there. This was one of the most successful house show feuds because it wasn't really on Saturday night's main event. Maybe once if I'm not mistaken maybe once maybe once on wrestling challenge or superstars wrestling but I can't recall it but I know definitely it was a house show success. And it was July of 1988, July 25th of 1988, and I showed you a match from Madison Square Garden, TW, Demolition defending those tag team championships against the British Bulldogs, former WWF tag team champions. And, of course, you know, if we're going to be honest, TW, this is Dynamite Kid, you know, he is now knee-deep heavy into the the steroids, into painkillers, because he never really took time off vehemently to you know mend his wounds so to speak but you said it yourself davy boy smith jacked up with the steroids can go toe-to-toe against and smasher tw this match lasted for a long time here so what say you about this particular house show tag team championship match from madison square
2: garden
3: blew me away how close in size davy boy was to both demolition guys because to me it felt like he got taller because they always felt short, mm-hmm. they look like midgets against Valentine and Beefcake. But Valentine and Beefcake are six seven, six eight, you know, maybe six six. Demolition must just not have been that damn tall. They just were massive. And uh, here's what got me: I'm like, am I watching this out of order? Because I, I was almost certain the description said champions were the Bulldogs. No. And I'm like, and so that's when I had texted you and said, Bulldogs fought Demolition as champions, and but then. Then it dawned on me: this is after WrestleMania three, which is where four. Okay, but but it's still after three. If it's after four, Mm -hmm. WrestleMania three, Davey Boy had to carry Dynamite to the damn ring Mm -hmm. in that match, and that's why Tito's in the match against the Hart Foundation and then Danny Davis. I think I think Dynamite wrestled a little bit, but he didn't wrestle a ton. Because when he got hurt by Bob Orton hitting him with the chair with Orton and Morocco versus Bulldog, uh, no, it
4: was it was taking a whiplash when he ran the ropes at a house right. show.
3: But he ran the ropes and and Bob Orton put a chair there. He hit the no, chair. No,
4: no, there's footage. He just ran and just
3: oh, well, landed. I, my whole until you just said that, my whole life I heard the chair shattered vertebrae in his lower back, and that's why you had your Mandela
4: ball. effect. But I have the proof. I can show <laughs> you the proof.
3: But go <laughs> ahead, T.W. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so. I don't remember the Bulldogs even being there after WrestleMania three. I thought they were done because somewhere in '88, the Bulldogs wrestled the Rock and Roll Express for some indie promotion in Vegas. It was January '89. Okay, they so it was '89 mm-hmm. at the at the Showboat in Vegas or whatever yeah. for Herb Herb or whatever the hell is name Herb Brooks or Herb Abrams I think Herb Ab- Herb Abrams yeah yeah so. So for me, I didn't even know the Bulldogs were still around, so I'm watching them going, so maybe they were just mostly on house shows and not on TV anymore, and that's why I didn't know. But this blew me away because I'm like, that's like modern Bulldogs, not, not mm. Alice Cooper Bulldogs. They, 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 were very popular. They,
4: they were very popular with the fans, and the, and the fans were a little – I would say this, and I'm going with myself. I'm not speaking for any fans, but I was like, you know, they could have, they should be like two-time tag team right. champions, and they never got a chance. But they always fought against the tag team champions, whoever they were, the heel tag team champions.
3: And the Hart Foundation only got them because that's how the Road Warriors debuted and helped them win against yeah. Nasty Boys as baby faces. So right. they had a bad guy tag team run and a and a good guy won. But you know, the the fact that the Bulldogs, so so remember, I told you the Bulldogs aren't on my list because. They weren't around long. They, like, mm-hmm. they, they were 86, 87. I thought they were done. I had no idea they were still there in 88. None. I right. mean, were they in the Survivor Series, the second Survivor Series tag team? Yes. So they just were, must have been limited and weren't on t- They probably chased the Hart Foundation until they switched to whoever they feuded with. Their, la- their last feud in 88 was against the Rougeau brothers.
4: Right. That was the
3: that's, that's who cost them this match.
4: Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's, that's what it was. So that's how Demolition retained those tag team championships because technically Bulldogs could have been the tag team champions, but they were doing a storyline to progress the Bulldogs to a different tag team feud. So TW, right. again, in 2020, Deuce, we would say that the Demolition would look weak as tag team champions, but you and I are looking at this as great storytelling for not for protecting the demolition and also progressing a new storyline. What say you? And then we'll get into another
3: of a spotlight of the demolition. What what am I saying about this match? Yeah, it, it was great, and it was almost it's almost the same match that they had with Strike Force. the beginning, everything going down, and then rather than Fuji being the reason someone's distracted for the cane, it's the Rougeos come out, and I think hit him with a cane. I think. It hit Bulldog, Davey Boy, right? I think it was, it was a chair. It was a chair.
2: Yeah.
3: And, and I, first thing I thought is, is this before or after the Roll of Coins? Just remember the Roll of the Coins? Mm-hmm. Well, th-
4: this match was set was uh, July of 88, so this was one month before SummerSlam, the first ever SummerSlam at Madison Square Garden. So that's where, you know, they were pred- Do you know the dressing. Roll of Coins story? Uh, with what? Jacques and, and Dynamite. Oh, in the locker room, I, I remember. Yeah, there's so there's so many locker room stories between those two. So I've heard. Bulldog
3: Dynamite used to uh, bully the Rougeos. Like he, he, like yeah, not ribs, not ribs, bully.
4: Yeah, and Jacques, Jacques couldn't. Yeah, Jacques couldn't take it no more, so he had to roll the coins and knock the tar out of Dynamite broke Kid teeth, and teeth,
3: broke yeah. teeth. Yeah, and then they still had to work them, And Davy Boy told him, hey, "Man, I, Dynamite's on his own." Like Davy Boy sided with the Rujos because. He's like, mm-hmm. I, I can't defend the shit he's doing.
4: Well, that's what happens when you're high on steroids. And that's, that's when what he's is. gone. They weren't there much longer after that. Yeah, they were, go- they were gone in late 88. So, T.W., as, as they're progressing, as they're building their championship reign, of course, you know, against they they beat the Strike Forces. They beat the British Bulldogs. They beat the Heart Foundation in SummerSlam of 88. Now, let's get into the one storyline. We've talked about this many times. And it was the Switch. The Switch in Survivor Series of 1988. Demolition, again, the fans are... And, and Again, again. we have to talk about one thing about what makes Demolition, the chemistry, the aura, the character of Demolition work. Their theme song. You kind of alluded to it when we were doing our introduction.
0: <laughs>
4: that riff of the guitar works. Here comes the axe. Here comes the Smasher. I was at Madison Square Garden for SummerSlam 88. Demolition against the Heart Foundation. Heart Foundation got the cheers as a babyface, But when the song, when that, when that song comes on, we all, every fan stood up because we wanted to see the aura, the presence, you know, the charismatic nature of Demolition coming down in all their garb, and all that Lord Humongous garb, and we were cheering for them. Like you said, you heard cheers when they beat the tar out of the out of the strike force. Yep. We were cheering for them. So in Survivor Series of 1988, there was a new tag team on the scene, Reflection Knights, and that was the Warlord and the Barbarian, a.k.a. the Powers of Pain. You could say Rogue War ripoffs? Absolutely. So we're not even going to – we ain't going to deny that. We already know that. TW and I already know – that we saw them on WCW Saturday night. We already know that they got they got embarrassed by the Road Warriors. So coming into WWF as good guys, okay, I can give it a chance. I thought that was weird. I thought was, that was weird. It was totally weird, but I said, let's give it a chance. We know – I kind of understood where Vince – well, I can't say I knew that Vince was, was booking it, but I said I kind of understood where WWF was going for this. They wanted to create their own Road Warrior wannabes, and they figured that the look was so – so you was so close spot on. was so yeah that was the word i was looking for so spot on that they could actually create their own tag team champions as road wars and pay them less significantly less so in survivor series of 1988 the switch happens fuji demolition are the captains of this particular survivor series tag team match the last great tag team survival match against uh I, Who's the captains of the of the good guys? Oh, it was the powers of pain. They were the captains. So yeah. the switch, so the switch happens, and Fuji cost demolition was the reason why the demolition were eliminated. They they beat they slammed Fuji down to the ground and they got a huge you could say road warrior pop. <laughs> but that but Fuji was still on the match while the conquistadors were trying for the, were praying. For, to the high heavens that they could actually win this survival match. The, oh, excuse me, the powers of pain go outside the ring. The, the referee was counting. If you really count it, if you really like count it, they were on the floor for about twelve seconds. They should have been counted out, but of course the referee was like one thousand one, one thousand, Get back two. in your corner.
3: Get back in your corner. So
4: it was funny. But then they were they were clean. They were dusting off Fuji. They were making making sure that he was okay, and they picked. T- took them to their corner and they became the sole surviving tag team. Demolition came out and now we get into the new few. Demolition are now the good guys against the powers of pain who became the bad guys. So now the now the formula of Master Fuji is not there for demolition. So TW, let me ask you this this is now a hindsight question. Did you fear that without Master Fuji that demolition would be less valuable in on television
3: or in presentation-wise. I don't remember having those thoughts, but I do remember thinking they're not good guys. They don't look like good guys. and That's why, but funny enough, there's a shirt of me in another room where I'm wearing a Powers of Pain shirt from WWF. So obviously that shit worked on me. I'm, I'm 12 years old, 14 years old, rocking a mm-hmm. Powers of Pain shirt. Um, and I, I'll be honest with you, I think, I think the reason why is because, I wanted the road warriors in the WWF. And if I couldn't get them, at least I got these guys. Cause right. But, and you know, just to go back defend real something real quick, they, they were road warrior ripoffs as part of a storyline. Paul Jones put them together to make a better, bigger, faster, stronger version of the road warriors. I don't know what their hair looked like before. Cause barbarian was just a regular by guy by himself. And then the yeah. warlord shows up. Um, But by the time they come here, they're a little more polished. I think they had better matching gear at that point in the WWF. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as Demolition, they were never a team that I thought needed Fuji, right? But it still was weird that they were babyfaces. Because back then, babyfaces looked like babyfaces. Heels looked like heels. And Mm -hmm. unless you were a cocky heel like Rick Rude. But he was somebody, and I think that's why someone like me, light heels like Rick Rude, Macho Man, and, and uh, Mr. Perfect, is because they look like athlete stars. Like They look like they should be good, and then they were all cheaters and cocky bastards, but mm-hmm. I just couldn't not cheer them. Whereas Axe and Smash were easy to boo, because they looked like guys I wouldn't hang out with. Right. right. So easy peasy, I'll boo them. So when they turned babyface, I think part of me was like, and... Those are the to me, those are the least effective babyface turns is when your manager turns on you. It almost makes the crowd pop for Fuji thinking he joined the powers of pain. And I think the crowd did. I think the crowd thought Fuji and the powers of pain were gonna be good guys still and demolition got turned on. But the like you the said, crowd the crowd was confused. He right. right. He was confused. And mm-hmm. and so to me it's the closest thing. To confuse in the crowd the way they did with Luger, Tatanka, and DiBiase. It's almost exactly the same. The only difference is they fed you that Luger already joined them but just was denying it. This right. was just out of fucking nowhere because someone realized, all right, people actually like Demolition, and they, fuck, this Powers of Pain shit's going south. Let's switch it. And they did. Right. So it worked because they needed to do it, but I don't think Demolition lasted long as
4: heels or as baby faces.
3: Well, technically they did, but we'll get it. I'll get into that. Is it to the. it expl- the next year? The Road Warriors and Warrior versus Perfect well, remember, and Demolition. They
4: they became babyfaces November of eighty eight after Survivor right. Series, and it right. lasted until if I want to be correct, June of nineteen ninety. So they had a good uh, babyface run, so to speak. So let's get into
3: this because now we so go the nineteen ninety Survivor Series is Warrior and Road Warriors versus Perfect and Demolition. Hmm. That's 90. Yes.
4: Okay. So let's get into the third match of this spotlight that I showed you. And this is the main event that was on NBC, the main event two or deuce. This was the co-main event behind the mega powers and the twin towers demolition, defending the tag team championships against the powers of pain. So now again, the dichotomy TW is they are now wrestling as the baby phases, you know, again, They were the aggressive bruisers hammering you down, and they still kind of kept that formula as good guys. That's why I'm asking you this question. You know, not only does the chemistry of not having Master Fuji on their side messes with the matches, but, again, the psychology, TW, that they they have to switch like the Road Warriors did. They were heels once, and then, again, they become the babyfaces where you have to now... Now you have to train your thought, T.W., that you have to believe that they can be in pain, that they can be in trouble, that they so they, be, can sell. That they can sell, T.W., and T.W., give, try to give that lesson to all the Reflection Knights, the Magnificent Seven, how the Demolition had to switch it up, just like the Road Warriors had to switch it up, being Monster Heels and now being the Babyfaces, and make you believe that they were in
3: trouble. Well, it's easy. I mean, we've talked about this before. Demolition can wrestle the same style; they just have to do it at a different time. They mm-hmm. can, they can start out beating the shit out of the guys, and then get cut off, and then they can come back and beat the mm-hmm. shit out of the guys, get cut off, and then do the hot tag and and do whatever they got to do. They do got to pretty it up a little bit, but it's easy to sell. Um, but the hard part is the mentality. So I've said this before. Me as a heel, what ended up getting me cheered was ripping on fans, because if you and A-Track and Big Ray and, and Billy Ray and JB all go to a show together and I rip on you, all those guys are going to laugh at you because I just ripped on you, right? Mm-hmm. So it ends up making people like you, and so now, I'm the good guy, I can't rip on you anymore, because if I rip on you, the you know, everyone's not your buddy, so all the moms and babies and, and parents are like, this guy's mean, you know? So it took me a month to figure out eh, maybe the same month. It took me a minute to figure out I got to do the same thing that made me get here, but I got to do it at someone else's expense. So everything that popped in my head, I would just yell at my opponent. Right. And then everybody liked me because I was ripping on the heel or I'd rip on the referee. That that was nice, cheap laughs, you know, whereas, mm-hmm. whereas the heel I get laughed at. So demolition all you have to do is get knocked off your feet and then struggle to get back up and you're selling. And whether it's because someone tripped you or someone hit you with a fucking loaded boot, you know, as long as you're selling, like, you're down, but you're not down for good. Because you can't dead sell. If they dead sell, their whole mystique is done. They can't, like, the Bulldogs could dead sell because everyone thought, fuck, these little motherfuckers. But but then they did that second burst. Ricky Morton could dead sell. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is the shit where you raise their hand and drop it and then the right. third one, Hulk up. You, no one can Hulk up. That's Hulk's gimmick. But you know what I mean. You mm-hmm. can do that and then, oh, and give it another, you know, rah, rah, rah. If those guys did that, it ruins their whole mystique because gotcha. they're badasses. They're gotcha. tough guys.
4: So while this match is basically a building block towards WrestleMania 5's, uh three-on-two tag team title match, this ended in a disqualification, TW. So what say you about this match? Building! For
3: WrestleMania Five, A didn't know these two had another match at WrestleMania Five. (laughs) B, it was easily my least. It was just it. You said something earlier, and I, 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 and I started to say this, and I didn't finish my thought. Where I said Travis would disagree with me. Rick Davies, a guy I wrestled with, his favorite wrestler ever is Mass Superstar. Um, Mm -hmm. Mass Superstar was a good worker, and. And I'll say this, I still think Hulk Hogan's a great worker. He ain't the best wrestler, but he worked the crowd, and Axe works the crowd as Axe. I don't think Axe and Smash are putting on wrestling clinics. I think they're punch, kick, brawl, right? Um, so you and, give them like the three
4: moves of doom kind of right, mentality. Right. Okay.
3: Right. Whereas from everything I've heard, I've never watched a mass superstar. I've seen Matt Superstar number two, and he might be number two. He might not be number one. He might be Matt Superstar number two. I don't know. But mm-hmm. the point is, they're not doing arm locks, arm drags, drop kicks, and tackle drop downs and hip tosses. They're literally double axe handles and boots. And, but the thing is, the crowd ate the shit up. They ate mm-hmm. it up when Hogan punched the guy four times and then whipped him to the ropes and gave him the boot to the face. That ain't no fucking small package, right? So right. They're, they're more brawlers. I They're more, um, what's my good man that died a couple of years ago, Kimbo Slice. They're more of a Kimbo Slice, just stand and punch, you know, not nothing finesse. They're not dancing around like Muhammad Ali. And mm-hmm. so, so I, I, the problem is they're good at it. Powers of Pain are not. So the Powers mm-hmm. of Pain wrestling the same their, style. Their, their dance partners
2: were right. shitty.
4: That's the right. problem. I get but you. They're
3: but both, they're both doing the same style, and one of them's good at it, and the other ones are green as fucking baby shit. So it, it just it just didn't work for me. It never did. Mm-hmm. Animal and Hawk versus Powers of Pain worked because they just brawled, and, and Animal and Hawk, they bumped them all over the fucking place, and mm-hmm. they didn't do that with them. It was just they just – and that's the thing. Animal and Hawk did drop kicks and power slams and suplexes. Axe smash did none of that. They didn't leave their feet. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they, they, they did not leave their feet. Nothing cute. Nothing cute or fucking powerful. Just just boots and axe axe handles. Just So it works when you're watching them beat up your favorites and you want your favorites to make a comeback. It's a heel style. That's right. good for heels. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give you that. but.
4: He, like I said, this was a building blocks match towards WrestleMania Five. This this ended in a disqualification. Of course, they got their revenge or, or their payoff in quote unquote's by defeating Master Fuji and Powers of Pain in the three on two tag team uh, title match. There, now we get into the meat and well, I would say meat in the crust of Demolition's uh, title reign. You could say they are they're already a year strong into their first reign. So now. But now they are feuding with Bobby the Brain Heaton. They're feuding with the Heaton family. So now when you're feuding against Bobby Heaton and his army, this is a co-main event right underneath a Hulk Hogan and an Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship match, so to speak. So you got a triple main event style kind of thing. So now you got Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson and TW. You can see the difference in... I don't actually – you know what? Maybe I might choose my words carefully, TW, but <laughs> what say you? Tully Blanche and Arn Anderson <clears throat> are experienced enough and have the psychology awareness enough to change their styles against the road wars, knowing how bruisers they are, and they do the power slams and the drop kicks and all – and the high-impact stuff. They actually slow – I don't know. I want to say slow it down – but since, you know, Axe and Smash doesn't lead their feet with drop kicks, doesn't do like the power slams to death, doesn't go, go off the top ropes like Hawk does, they actually changed their style, and it still was a great kind of match. And they and the Brainbusters Busters defeated the, the Demolition on Saturday night's main event, July of 1989, ending a year-plus run of their first run. But I showed you the match where they regained the tag team championships for a second time in, in October of 1989 TW. So I just wanted to give you that chronology. That's when, right there. that's when Charlie and Arn were on the way out. Absolutely. So what say you about this match, even though it lasted for 10 minutes, but they regained their tag team championships for a second
3: time. Hey, I always saw Arn Anderson look like an old man his whole life. He does. He looks, <laughs> he looks like a young Van Gogh in this, in this here. But, uh, um, don't ever be surprised by the brainbusters having a good match. They are. I'm, the reason- never, I'm not surprised. So, I just saying that they changed their style, and it still was a good match. They did it because they're the Ric Flair tag teams. They could wrestle a broom, and it would be good. They could have wrestled the Powers of Pain, and it'd be good because it's Tully's face, it's Arn's precision, it's it's Tully's cockiness, it's Arn's matter of factness. They're just. They just work like a well-oiled machine. If I didn't love Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty so much, the Brain Busters would be my all-time favorite tag team. They, they absolutely mm-hmm. were just professionals, man. And it didn't matter who you put them in there with. I, I just I hate how it ended for them. I hated all that fucking loyalty to the Crockets, especially. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you could go back, I'll bet you $100 right now, if Arn and Tully could go back on hindsight, They would have never left WWF and went back to WCW. It ruined Tully's career because he failed the drug test. And then Arn wanted to go, well, you know. He wanted to be with Flair. He wanted to be with with his family. But, but of course, being close to home. Well, that's fine. But if you knew how it was going to all end, you would have just stayed in WWF. There's no proof in the pudding Is. He worked for them as a damn agent for twenty damn years after he was done wrestling because Vince took he, Vince takes care of you when you're one of them, right? All these dudes getting released, they ain't shit. You know, maybe Mickey Mickey James, that's somebody with some some years. Um, well, we, road Dog, guys like that. That's the pettiness behind the scenes politics shit. But most of these people getting released, they're people nobody gave a shit about anyway. Jake Atlas or whatever, and then you got people like I like Keith Lee. But if you're a little whiner on the internet, why do I want to pay you money? Like, it's all, if you notice, it's all these people that get released are either A, they weren't doing shit anyway, or B, they my spot, my spot. Like this latest guy who you probably love. Fuck this guy, Mustafa Ali. You don't go public and say, I want to do good things, but I can't do them here. You really went totally left. I man Tully and Arne leaving the WWF because Tully was done after that, man. He was done. He never did shit again. And now I got to see him as a frail old man on this fucking NXT light on fucking Wednesday nights, <laughs> and it's just, it's miserable. Oh, God. I can't even get a Tully. Be happy. He's getting, pay- he's getting paid money. they getting paid Facebook money. My Facebook friend, too. He's a, he's a religious man. I hope he still yeah. is. I, he doesn't post of very often. But I can't even get a Tully and Arm figure in my Hall of Fame because these two assholes had to leave, not once, but twice. They had to leave to be, it's like, come on. I don't know. So what, it, what, what do you say? What do you say about the match, deal? though? What do you say about the match? I said, don't be surprised that Tully and Arn had a good match with anybody. It's a good match. I think they got the screw job finished. Didn't Axe just kind of lay on top of Arn to get the pin? It yeah, was, they, it was not more. It was more about not a screw job. It
4: was more about building the tension in the Heenan family between Tully Blanchard. Well, we didn't know that there was supposed to be tension between Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, and Bobby Heenan per se, but they were trying to build on that. Uh, there was dysfunction in the Heenan family. so... You know, technically, it kind of overshadowed Demolition's second time as tag team champions. But again, they got an opportunity to become two-time tag team champions, which again was a very rarefied error, so to speak. So they were in, you know, in they were on a class by themselves, becoming multiple-time tag team Heart champions Foundation. there with the Heart Foundation. Well, the Heart Foundation was a little bit later, but we'll we'll talk about that in a second. What about what about Bukic and Valentine? Were they too? No. Just one. Just one. Yeah. But the, the history, well, let's say the feuding between Demolition and the Heaton family did not end there, per se, because while the Brain Busters went back to Atlanta, officially, another tag team came into the scene, and that was the Colossal Connection, and that was Andre the Giant and Haku, and they defeated Demolition in January of 1990 and of course demolition would once again become now the first time three time tag team champions in WWF or WWE history winning those tag team titles against the colossal collection at WrestleMania 6 in Toronto SkyDome. Now the funny thing is here as there were certain things going on in 1990 reflection nights and TW and it was involving Axe. Now Axe and Smash they had a they had a good rapport, I think, with Giant Baba and All Japan pro wrestling. So Demolition was allowed, thanks to Vince McMahon, to go to Japan and work those matches because Demolition actually had wars with Giant Baba and Andre the Giant. I don't I forget what that tag team was there, you know, between Giant Baba and Andre the Giant, respectively, but they had wars with Demolition. But that's neither here nor there, TW. I didn't want I'm not talking about that match. I'm just Didn't even you. know that. They did but as during, demolition as demolition they they were allowed oh. to keep the garb and all that stuff but while those they were touring in japan ax had an acute affliction towards shellfish he was allergic to it either he didn't know it or he was served some food but he had a bad reaction to it so con- his conditioning started waning a little bit so in that time there was two things going on. They were trying to build their heel cred back, so to speak, on wrestling challenge and superstars. They were being more aggressive against the jobbers. And of course, you see, you know, Vince McMahon and Gorilla Monsoon were trying to sell. Why are the, why is demolition being so you know vicious again against these jobbers? And of course, we could talk about another thing that happens in the summer of 1990, and that was the signing finally. Of the Road Warriors. The Legion of Doom Road Warriors. Hawk and Animal. So Demolition loses. Those tag team championships. Against the Hart Foundation. They would become two time. Tag team champions TW. But now with the signing of the Road Warriors. And I am 13 years old. At this time. You are 16 years old. I believe. We are knee deep in the bill after Mags. We got a dream match scenario we got the demolition against the road warriors now before we even talk about the you know the last match that i wanted to you to watch as a fan i was hyped for it as a fan this this was not even i didn't care about the tag team championships that would have been a premium that if demolition was the tag team champions and let's say survivor series 1990 they were defending the titles against the legion of doom i'm just saying that would have been a that would have been an icing on the cake, so to speak. But I didn't care about the tag team championship. A dream match was right there in our in our grasp. But now, hindsight being twenty twenty tw, we learned that Vince McMahon said, "I got what I finally wanted after all these years, and the guys that made me money just wasn't that valuable to me." So, business wise, I understand the logic of Vince McMahon's thinking. But it just, you know, he didn't value that match. He didn't value that tag team match. Maybe again, we already know Vince McMahon doesn't really care about the tag team
3: division. What's the UTW? Uh, you're not telling me what he did to make you feel that way because uh, I I could have sworn the Heart Foundation beat the Nasty Boys to become tag team champions the second time because Animal and Hawk helped him with the helmet. You, you got a concussion, no? Jimmy, Jimmy, what's trust me, his helmet. Trust Who me, the helmet. Too-
4: Jimmy, but that's Nasty Boys beat the Heart Foundation at WrestleMania 7 to become tag team champions.
3: Right. But I'm talking about SummerSlam. Wasn't it Nasty Boys versus the Heart Foundation? And I just Ant- told Hawk? you while I'm doing my spiel, it was the Heart Foundation. Yes. So Animal Hawk cost demolition the tag belts? Yes. I, I've always thought it was the Nasty Boys because they no! had a fucking helmet. They, didn't, so they had, were not in the WWF until 1991. <laughs> Who whose helmet did they use to hit smash and X? What?
4: Animal Hawkins helmet. Keep keep with the program. Keep with the program. It wasn't Maybe no helmet. The helmet.
3: There was wasn't... WrestleMania. That's how they lost them. Was yes, the helmet. yes. But man, I'm fucking merging shit. Yes, you are. I'm trying to oh. keep with, with the program here. So first of all, there's never going to be a tag team title match in 1990 because it's all Survivor Series teams at that point. Still. Mm-hmm. Second of all. We have the absolute greatest Survivor Series team in the history of Survivor Series teams and the second greatest team in the history of Survivor Series teams, not only on the same Survivor Series, in the same match. It's the Road Warriors, the Ultimate Warrior, and the Modern Day Warrior versus the Perfect team, which mm-hmm. is Mr. Perfect, and three guys from Demolition. How would that not be called the Demolition team? And I believe the captains are ter- Carrie and, and Perfect because Carrie and Perfect were feuding no, it was, over the it was the Ultimate Warrior. It, it was Ultimate Warrior and Perfect because they were called the Ultimate Warriors, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Ultimate, but Perfect was feuding with the Warrior. Yes, house shows
4: and and the main event.
3: But well, I thought that was the same year at SummerSlam. Keep, Atlantic, keep with the won. keep
4: keep with the program with demolition and Road Warriors, please. I, you are so That's great. Part at- of it. No, it's what not. Don't it. ask, don't ask it's those questions. Demo- <laughs> don't don't ask the, the, the
3: other questions about just keep it with what I, I said. The preface, preface. it was. I don't weird. know. Dream but night. I'm asking you what you're saying that Vince did that, like he never had the big payoff match. Is that they what you're never saying? It, it never did, and even the match I gave you to watch,
4: which was LOD and Ultimate Warrior against Axe. Smash, and we could talk about Crush here if we want. In nineteen ninety, because of Axe's afflictions to the shellfish allergies that he was suffering, they had to find a substitute, and that's right. where Brian Adams, aka Crush, comes into nineteen ninety. The dream match was not a priority for Vince McMahon as a because he did not give the fans what they want. He did not give the fans a good payoff match. No matter, I will say this though.
3: I will say this by nineteen ninety, especially Bill Eadie. They're long in the tooth, dude. They're, it's not like they're young. Uh, they actually look pretty small in this match. Like, both of them have gotten smaller. Mm-hmm. I think I, I had a hard time uh, getting which one was Smash and which one was Crush. Not with HD. HD, I know which one's which. But when it's YouTube and it's, uh, uh, you know, shoddy footage, it I really, because I think Axe took the finish. Uh, there is one spot in this match that Gorilla absolutely saved the day. The warrior went to do the warrior splash to Axe, and Axe moved, but warrior was going to miss him anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and, and G- Gorilla said, man, the warrior's running around all that of circumstance. Axe didn't even have to move. He was going to overshoot him anyway. And I thought, that's awesome because it's, it's true. It's what happened. But it's funny that they took the heat on the warrior, and then they took it, on, I think, on Animal, and Hawk got the ha- hot tag after that. But this is the match I was talking about, and it makes sense with everything you're saying, other than Crush, who's still there. Axe and Smash, they're almost phoning it in here, and and it's a house show, right? Yes. It's a house show, but they're giving the Warrior nothing. Everything he tries to do, they're stopping him. Warrior gets pissed. He's outside the ring, grabs Smash and Crush by their hair. Like, I'm going to fucking ram your heads together. And then all three of them, Axe, reached in there. Then they put him on the rope with the Seamus spot, um, mm-hmm. and they just were giving him nothing. And I thought, I wonder if the Warrior just never stuck up for himself in the locker room. Because I'm going to tell you right now, yeah, I wouldn't fight Animal and Hawk, but I wouldn't have fought the Ultimate Warrior either. So I don't know Ultimate, guys... Ultimate, warrior,
4: Ultimate Warrior was a loner and was, a, you could say, a shark in, uh, in politics, you could say.
3: He, he, he was about himself and the money. Right, but what I'm saying is these guys always took liberties on him. Andre the Giant took liberties on him. You hear the stories. He would run and do the – you know how he crossed over you twice before doing the splash? Mm -hmm. Every night, every house show, Andre the Giant would put his fist up and hit him in the dick as he was jumping over him on one of those runs. Right, And at some point, why wouldn't you say, listen, motherfucker, you do that one more time, I'm fucking swinging back. And I don't give a fuck if he is Andre John. He's a fucking 108 years old, and he fucking barely can move. Fuck it. I'll run from him the rest of my fucking life. But when I finally fucking snap, I'm snapping on his ass. And right. but, but if you watch this match, they just take liberties on the Warrior the whole time. Then Animal and Hawk come in there and just beat the shit out of those guys. And there was a point where, where Gorilla says, man, if Animal and Hawk don't get in here now, it's over for the Warrior. And they came in, and it was one of the worst hot tags in the history of Hot Tags and the Warrior tagged in Animal, he kind of just rolled over and kept doing this. Baby mm-hmm. Kong, baby Donkey Kong, baby, baby Donkey And then he rolled over and tagged them. And it was just, but this was my favorite match because it was cool to watch stuff where you, and like I said, now that you've told me all that, they're on their way out. And so they're probably not happy at this point. And, and I was going to ask you, ironically, because Smash side-eyed Crush a couple times where I thought, I wonder if either one of these guys are thinking, whose fucking job is this guy taking? You know, is he taking mine? But but now, I I remember all the shellfish stuff now in hindsight. It was clearly Mm going to be uh, Axe's job to lose, and it would be Crush and Smash. And I think it was that for a little bit before Smash became Repo Man. Well, Axe
4: was was supposed to be the manager, you could say, but they were trying to build themselves. No, no, but I'm trying to explain it storyline-wise. They were trying to do the Freebird uh, thing, which two were going to, Defend the titles. Which two were you going to face? Right. Again, the mystique of this dream match was... The match sucked. I don't care. This feud sucked. Even Axe Smash and Smashing, kayfabe commentary said the their feud with the Road Warriors sucked in their eyes. Because right. Vince McMahon left money on the table in their humble opinions. And I actually yes. agree with them because Absolutely. it just... It just didn't matter. Even this house show match in Madison Square Garden, the fans were hyped for it because you you added the Ultimate War element of it. But and he's champ, and he's champ. But when you look at this match, TW, I thought it was the worst match. It Was the
3: worst match out of everything. Oh, it's it's terrible as far as science. Yeah, it's not good. But I said it was my favorite to watch because A, I didn't know what happened, and B. I love watching the warrior stick up for himself, but I just can't help but think: Did he not defend himself in locker rooms? Because you'd see he, he got, didn't have to. Dude, he, he, he had Vince McMahon in his back pocket. But Rick Rude took liberties with him. There was people that said Rick Rude knocked him out for real in the locker room, like punched him in the mouth and knocked him out. And I think that might have right. been the start of it, where people just mm-hmm. didn't take him serious. No more like jail. Like, right. you know, oh, you ain't gonna come back and whoop his ass for that? And. Like I said, mm-hmm. we're Mike Tyson said the best. We all got a game plan until so we get hit in the face, man. If I got knocked out, I wouldn't be looking to fucking take another punch. Guy was a world champion arm wrestler. I wouldn't be looking to get socked in the jaw again by him. But I'd have absolutely got it back. It right. been Absol- there would have no way I'm laying down.
4: Absolutely. So in in closing, in this four year run, after the Road Warriors are there, and Vince McMahon prioritizes the Road Warriors to be his a tag team, no matter if they were if they were heels or baby faces. You could see where the priorities were there, and of course, 19, in 1991, the tag team division. You know, I'm not going to say it started. You, it started waning a little bit, even though you had the Nasty Boys and even though you had the Natural Disasters. It just didn't feel the same way like in the Glory Ridden days. Rhythm Blues. Well, the Rhythm and Blues were, were were decent enough, but it just didn't feel the same way as the 80s did. So when oh, you get for it. Sure.
3: When you get into it, a new decade. By then it was more cartoonish anyway by then. Even though they claim the 80s is a circus, 80s had some great no, fucking but tag I'm, team matches.
4: Yeah, right. But what I mean is that demolition was not on a, on Vince McMahon's high priority list in 1991. Right. And it right. showed in WrestleMania 7 where they got squashed. These were three-time tag team champions and they got squashed by all-Japan wrestlers Tenru and Katao in thirty-five seconds TW So wow. that was the writing was on the wall for demolition's run in WWF. So who were the two who were the who were the two in the match? I just said Tenru and Katao.
3: No. Smash and axe or smash no, sma-
4: and crush. Smash and crush. Wow. So wow. that's why they lost in thirty five seconds. So they disbanded kind of quietly. Crush did his thing. He he would repackage himself in 1992 as Kona Crush. And of course, Smash finished his contractual obligations as Smash in singles competition. Axe uh went away from the WWF, you know, to, to mend his, you know, shellfish afflictions, you could, you could say. And uh and again, demolition was no more, as you said. Smash would become the Repo Man in 1992. So, in closing, TW for Demolition, why are they not in the Hall of Fame Reflection Nights? Because there's copyright issues between Axe Smash and Vince McMahon. Of course, Vince McMahon can be you know vindictive when it comes to IP trademarks. Uh, at one time, Axe was using uh, his indie name in the late 90s, was Axis the Demolisher. And Vince McMahon said, no way in hell are you using that name because that is so close to the IP trademarks of acts of Demolition. And Axe and Smash have filed lawsuits and litigation against the World Wrestling Federation or World Wrestling Entertainment and have lost numerous times. So there will be no way in hell that Demolition will get a spot in the WWE Hall of Fame TW, and I think that's a crying shame. You know, sometimes you've got to separate the pettiness of litigation with what should be the obvious, that demolition belongs in the WWE Hall of Fame. Of course, they're already in, like, Pro Wrestling Illustrated Hall of Fames. They're in indie Hall of Fame, so, you know, they are, they are recognized in other Hall of Fames for their accomplishments as demolition. What say you, in closing, about that?
3: I always thought Axe was one of the guys with the lawsuit for the injury, concussions or whatever, but uh you you're not getting into the hall of fame of the person you're suing. You're not it's just not happening. So, you
4: know, I know the reality. I I understand the reality of that. I'm just saying it's a crying I, shame that they
3: should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. And they should have fucking action figures on my wall. It shouldn't be so expensive to get them because Mattel did the, not Mattel, Jax did the Legends deal, so they dealt with them directly, Mm -hmm. because Vince let them deal with retired wrestlers and had private contracts. With these Mattels, they don't do that unless you have a Legends contract, then you get a figure made. So Vince must be like, fuck that, we're not making no Owen figures, we're not making no demolition. I blame Owen's wife for him not being in it. Um, Watchman's in it finally, right? Lanny Poffo did the intro. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck happened there, but as far as Demolition, they absolutely should be in there. They're the first ever three-time tag champions. They they fucking outlived. They outdid the mileage on a gimmick that really was just a holdover and so you could get the Road Warriors, and he proved it because four years later when he got them, fuck you guys. So it's even more blatant that they were just created as, as fucking to suffice him because he couldn't get the real thing. And they Mm -hmm. far, far, far exceeded being Road Warrior villains or copies or, or whatever. But, again, and it's not that I don't side with the wrestlers. I do, man. I do. But when you have stories of Owen Hart and Mick Foley saving every penny they have, and then you have stories of guys like Ric Flair who's fucking broke, who has no fucking business being broke, by the way. But this dude's about to get his fifth divorce. He, you, If, if you fuck up your money, that's on you. And there, at some point, I have to believe Demolition made a lot of money. And for them to do what they're doing now means they don't have any of it. And so for me... What do you mean? Like doing the wrestling cons and autograph no, sessions? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that four years where maybe they didn't get paid much in the beginning, but at some mm-hmm. point, they got paid, right? Mm-hmm. And, okay. and then... If they didn't save that money, that's on them. These guys, like Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson are broke, right? Yeah. God bless them. They didn't make money in 1984 like dudes made in 1994, right? Like, it's just, it, you got paid, but you didn't get paid. Like, Ric Flair invested in himself. He spent every penny he made on a new robe, on a new Rolex, on a new whatever, and eventually that dude just made money, right? Mm-hmm. But, but what I'm saying is, a lot of these lawsuits are from people who didn't save their money. And it's, so it's, for me, How if they own the fucking copyright, they own the copyright. You don't see fucking, you know, he's dead, but you don't see Owen Hart running around saying, fuck you, I should be able to sign autographs as the blue blazer. Like, he—he he, who cares if that's his character? Now, should he let them be able to make money, like, on the side? Yeah, he, yeah, it is petty on business. But my point is, if they're not suing him, he probably lets them do it already. But because he had to have the battery knocked off his shoulder, he's showing him who's laughing last. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I don't, I don't agree with either side one way. Or I don't. I think it's petty to sue. I think it's petty to not let them use their gimmick that they're known for. But at the same time, I know, I don't know Vince McMahon personally, but I know the buttons you don't push are the buttons that dares him to fucking hold out longer because he's gonna and he's gonna win. You know, mm-hmm. he he held out for the warrior. Is there, a, is there a fucking better, more heartfelt moment than Vince McMahon and the Ultimate Warrior in that WrestleMania backstage hugging where he gives them the fucking little engine that could book? Like, you could tell those two loved each other. So you know that ten years that they didn't talk probably killed both of them. But guess who had to fucking come around? The Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior. And his Triple H gets credit for it. But you mm-hmm. know what? That's, that's your fuck there. There's your out. Fuck it, Vince. All right, let's do it because he called them in. But if you have a few of Vince McMahon, and you ain't, you're losing.
4: You're going to well, lose it. John Laurinaitis is not going to call Demolition and try to patch things up between right. themselves and right. Vince McMahon. So that-
3: is Triple H.
4: With that being said, Reflection Nights, we close on this pro wrestling spotlight. And we hope you enjoyed this particular spotlight with Axe and Smash of Demolition. So, TW, we've been talking so long. Give out those socials so we can get out of here.
3: Alrighty, Pro Wrestling Coalition Network is PWC Network at Podbean.com. Ours is at PW Reflection on the Twitches. Uh, the P1JB is JB on Twitter. I really thought he was going to be here for this one. Um, Big Ray can't do it without him at Big Ray Hernandez. My one that eh I, I, I don't do this much political, but I do still. At Tommy119. Or at the Tommy Wonder to talk about wrestling and pop culture. Snapchats number wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Dum Dum Duel and an idiot is a YouTube channel. We've I mean, done shit in a while, but we're doing something soon. And then of course Big Vito Brand at big Vito brand. and patreon.com backslash the big veto brand. <laughs> and
4: and sometimes you can hear us on the Hami Media Group, so check us out there. On Sundays on the Hami me Media Group, so check out their Podbeams and Facebook fan pages respectively, and you can find me on the Twitter at pwsoprof. That's pwsoprof, and of course follow my brothers in arms, Eight Track Brown, the king of the reactions at Eight Track Dashley, and of course the man with documents, Mr. Infinite Fringe himself, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi wan You know me. What are we gonna do next week, TW? I don't know. We might go episodic. We might do the
3: movies. We might we do might- robberies. We might be shoveling ourselves out of snow still next week. It's it's brutal. Of course. Well I don't know. Well we'll do a, a special snow edition
4: of the PWR podcast here yeah, at the PWR submissive onbee dot at pombeam.com. Let's and do that-
3: let's do a spotlight on wrestlers that died from cocaine. Gino Hernandez. Let's do that.
4: Let's oh. Geez.
3: Do that <laughs> oh, you said snow. I thought you meant snow.
4: Oh, okay. Now snow. <laughs> Nah, even Mick Foley would make fun of me doing a, a spotlight <laughs> of, of Al Snow. But anyway, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Iron Stomach 1, T.W. saying goodnight. And we will see you next time here at the PW Networks at Powerview.com and the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. See you next time, Magnificent Seven.
3: <sighs> what a rush. What a team. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it wrong. <laughs>